You can be seated. Thank you, Ben. What a treat to have you guys pouring your gifts and passion into this. And Jesus is better. He is the reason we are here. He is the main thing. We say that often. Jesus is our main thing. Well, we are um, in a series on Nehemiah. And if you're just joining us, I would invite you to go on the app or the iTunes and listen to where we've been. But I want to start off by talking to you about the year 1998. You guys remember that year? Some of you don't. You weren't born then. Um, 1998, I was in Georgia, and I was coaching a kids' middle school football team. And on this team was a kid named Kyle Maynard. And he had no arms below his elbows and no legs below his knees. He played nose tackle, and he did every single drill the team did. He would not quit. He would not stop. And it was so fun watching him and his indomitable spirit. And, and since coaching him, I've, um, I've, I've seen him on the news, on Oprah, on uh, Larry King, and he went on to climb Kill. He won an ESPN ESPY award, and um, it's, been, it's been awesome. Today we're going to look about grit and perseverance. It's amazing when everything around outside of Kyle said no and can't, Kyle said just watch. He possessed something inside that we all have in different quantities. And the good news today is what we're talking about we can all nurture and grow within us. It's something that can carry us to the vision and dreams that God has for us. It's grit. And you even heard the man in the video say, he told Kyle, forgive me for being blunt, but it seems if a guy like you quits every time you can't do something the first time, well, you'd be quitting a whole bunch of things. If every time it got hard, he quit, he would never would have stuck with anything. You know, grit is, determined, is defined as strength of spirit and unyielding perseverance in the face of opposition or hardship. And we've been talking about vision these past few weeks. And let me remind you, vision is seeing what could be despite the current reality. Vision gives you a picture of the future reality, even when your present reality looks nothing like it. And, and Kyle's present reality, when I met him in middle school, was different than the other kids around him. But inside... Kyle had a vision for what could be that was different than the kids around him. Strong vision will carry us to a life of impact and inspiration. And you pair vision with grit, and we get to see God's dreams for us come true. We've been in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah was, um, he was the cupbearer for the king of Persia off in another land. He got a call, a vision from God that burned within him. And so he, he risked and he sacrificed and he traveled back to his homeland. And there he was in Jerusalem where the people's lives, their walls, their houses, everything was in rubble. Rubble everywhere. And he had a vision that he would rebuild their walls and rebuild their houses and rebuild the people. And so he got there and he got in front of the people, and he cast this compelling vision of what could be, despite what was. And we heard the people responded, let's rise up and do this great work. And they did. They got their houses and the wall built halfway up. It was nine feet thick, and they were, they were cruising on it. They were going. They were seeing the vision become a reality, which is so fun. But then last week we talked about anytime we have a vision— for something in the future that's different, that's changed. Anytime we step out in faith, we face opposition. Anytime you step out in faith, you, you get to receive some criticism or ridicule. And it could be accusation within yourself. And Nehemiah and the people faced threats from the evil Sambalot, the foreign warlord who wanted to diminish the people and keep them in rubble. 
And if you missed last week's message, I would challenge you to go listen to it. It's on spiritual warfare, and it talks about where the accuser attacks us, first and foremost. Our identity. We're We're vulnerable there. So Nehemiah experiences opposition, and he stops, and he prays, and then he acts. He arms the people. And we find them working on the wall with with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. And we pick up today in Nehemiah 4 where even more opposition comes. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's much more rubble than we can, we cannot rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, before they know it or even see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to this work. And then the Jews, our countrymen, our own countrymen, who lived near them, came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. We have these three groups of people. We have the tribe of Judah. We have the enemies. And then we have these local relatives and communities. Nehemiah and his people are undertaking a great work for God. And they get this resistance from within their own people. Of course, from without and the close neighbors and communities. And I find it interesting. I mean, anytime we step out in faith and want to have change, we should expect opposition from our accuser. But, but what about opposition from within our own community? What about opposition from those who are closest to us? What about resistance from those who, maybe even family, to the mission of God? This must have been very discouraging for Nehemiah. He is following what he believes is God's vision for himself and for the people. Something that if they can complete this, it will change their lives. It'll change their children's lives. It will leave a legacy of redemption if they can just push through. Yet the people of Judah, it says here, come to him and declare, oh, the workers are tired. There's too much rubble, too much work. We're out. Now the tribe of Judah was the tribe that the Messiah was prophesied to come out of. The tribe of Judah had been the fervent, the passionate, the strongest armies, the most capable force, and they come to Nehemiah and quit. You see, these are the very people that Nehemiah had probably in his heart counted on the most. He would thought, no matter what happens, they would stick with us. They would see God's calling happen, but they were tapping out. It's too hot, it's too hard. This is not what we signed up for. This is not rewarding. We're out. And I can see how this would really be a blow to the heart of Nehemiah. And we've each been in this place before. We've been there. I mean, you have a goal or a hope or a vision. It could be relational. It could be for your marriage. It could be for your family. It could be a new goal for for your work to change some things. And the person or the people you needed most, you counted on, that you thought would be with you until the end, They didn't want to go with you any further. And this is difficult for us if you've ever experienced this. It makes us want to cave in and quit. And I'm sure Nehemiah faced those same emotions. Now, not only about the the tribe leaving, but also his own countrymen who lived nearby. It says they told him, they told us 10 times over, which is a wordplay. Nehemiah would be, be saying, if they told us once, they told us a thousand times. They just kept telling us. They didn't say it once. They kept reminding us. And you can imagine Nehemiah and the people on vision out there working with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other, and they're working with all they have. And every day, their countrymen come around and say, oh, this is never going to work. We're not going to make it. They're going to get us. I mean, that kind of discouragement when you are working toward God's vision is terrible. It's amazing. These are the same people that back in Nehemiah 2 were yelling and declaring, let's rise up and do this great work. 
Let's see this great thing happen. And they worked with all their might. You see, everyone was excited at first. The king of Persia is backing us. The king of heaven is with us. We have leadership. We have passion. We have gifting. Oh, we get to see this dream come true as we come together. But those early emotions that were there when this was a new idea, those emotions were there when this, there was no opposition. That was before they had to work while holding a weapon. That was before uh, the strongest of them, the strongest tribe, decided that they were out. That was before they got attacked. That was before the local nobles decided to just stay at home. That was before the rest of their countrymen came in and, and discouraged them every day. See, all the motivation and momentum this group of people had, I bet slowly started to ebb and seep away. Now, this is natural. And, and, and we all face this. We all get excited about something. But over time, what happens? Our passion, our excitement, it wanes. And our motivation and our momentum begins to fade. And our topic today is this right here. And I want to introduce you to something that has been with me um, since I started my ministry. That has been something that if we internalize it, can change our lives. I really believe, because this has really helped me clarify in my work, in my family, in my spiritual life, this has been a great help to me. So, I want to introduce this to us. First of all, how compelling is that? There it is. I want to introduce you to something called the A-Zone. Some of you might have heard this already. The A-Zone, this is the honeymoon phase of anything. This is when things are fresh, when things are new. You remember A-Zone relationships, right? Some of you? You remember A-Zone relationships back when it was all butterflies and hand-holding? Remember that? Oh, it's the best. A-Zone relationships are just the best. And what about that new job? You quit that old one because the boss was a jerk and there was so much drama. But this new job, the boss is a joy and the people are great. Or that new friendship that just clicks really easy? Man. Or, or, or you drive that old car onto the lot. And you get out and you have a conversation with somebody, you sign something, and you get to drive a new car home. Huh? New car smell. That is an A zone. Oh, there's nothing like it. That new hobby that's so much more appealing than a hobby you've been doing. That new book you pick up at the bookstore. Ooh, this looks awesome. I'm definitely going to finish this one. I can tell by the back cover this is much better than the one that I stopped liking so much. We love a good A-Zone. We love it. A-Zone is new, it's fresh, it's, it's full of possibility and promise where all the glitter is still on everything. There's nothing in life like a new good A-Zone. Nehemiah said, let's rise up. Let's do something. Yes, let's rise up and do this good work. They were excited about it. There's only one huge glaring weakness with an A-Zone. One thing that's very difficult, and that's this. You cannot live in the A-zone. You can't stay here. Life won't let you. At some point, every A-zone you have will begin to wear off, and you'll find yourself entering the B-zone. A-zone was promise and possibility. B-zone is problems. B-zones are when life gets hard. Like for Nehemiah, opposition came from those who should have been with him. 
from his enemies and from those around him. Oh, what are some B zones in our life? Like, remember that A zone relationship? I used to just be able to sit there and stare into his eyes for hours. And now I stare at the back of the head and wonder why he breathes so loud through his mouth. <laughs> you know, you know when the B zone's there. I mean, you know. All the butterflies just flew south for the winter. And that new job that was so perfect, you loved it so much. Well, it turns out that boss is a jerk too. And those people you work with, they have drama. And how fun it was when you first started, well, apparently it, it's, it's just a job now. It's just the same thing over and over. Friendships that used to click so easy now take a little work. And that new car smell, that new car, I mean, you drove it home, you put a child seat in it, and immediately it was full of unidentifiable crumbs and some smell you can never get out. The new car smell gives way to the kid car smell. It just happens. That A-zone hobby that was so energizing, you always found time for it. Well, give it a little while, and it won't fit in your schedule so much easier. There's that exciting new book, the one that you, you, know, you, you got because your old book was too laborious. Well, that book kind of bogged down in the middle too. See, B-zone happens. The honeymoon phase is over. The A-zone glory gives way to the B-zone grind. And now, this is an absolutely normal occurrence in life. There's no condemnation in this. This will always happen to us. B-zone happens to every new thing. But what do we do? We trick ourselves because we love the A-zone. We want this forever. There's nothing like it. So what do we do? We, get, we have an A-zone. We get up here. It gets difficult. Too difficult. So we quit. We quit. We go to the Q zone. We just simply step out. When things get hard, when problems arise, when life is a grind, we exit and we quit. 50% of marriages end up in divorce. And there are marriages that don't end in divorce, but we have quit within the marriage. These B zones are hard. And what happens when we quit? What happens when we get to the A, we go from A to B and then we quit? You know what happens? It happens all the time. We look for a new A zone because we love the A zone. We break up and we look for a new exciting relationship. We go to the bookstore and we find a new book to start because it's much more fun to start a new book than to slog through the middle of an old one. We, we quit our hobby because a friend of ours introduced us to a new one. And this one's great. We drive that crumb-filled kidmobile back onto the lot. We have a conversation. We sign a paper, and we drive off in a new all-wheel A-zone. Ah, this is a pattern in life. Start here, gets hard, we quit, look for something new. This is called A-zone addiction. And we are A-zone addicts somewhere in our life. A-zone, B-zone, Q-zone. Wash, rinse, repeat. The glory to the grind to the give up. You see, we become serial daters. We, we move more than we should, not because we like moving, but we get sick of the B-zone and we think a new place will surely solve this. The same way a new job will, will solve the issues that we have from hobby to hobby, from opportunity to opportunity. It doesn't matter what it is. We all have this at some place in our life. B-zone, 
C zone, or B zone, Q zone, and then back, we need something new. We become A zone addicts, and instead of pursuing vision and purpose for the long haul, we chase the belief that our problems will be solved if we simply find something new that will solve all the problems we have. That something new around us will fix something old within us. And oftentimes, our daydreams reveal what we're craving. If you're over here in a B zone, pay attention to your fantasies and, and daydreams because they will, they will show you where you want to quit and what you're longing for new. So I want us to pause and ask a question. I ask this to myself a lot. I want you to ask yourself, where, in I, where am I an A-zone addict? Where once a month or, or once a year do I do this cycle? Maybe it's every five years. Maybe it's every 10 for you. But there are different areas in our life where we will find ourselves, it gets, it gets too hard here, so we quit and look for new. Ask yourself, where am I already quitting in my heart and hoping that something new on the outside, something external, will solve my internal issues and my internal disappointments? This is so hard for me to, to work through when I first discovered it. It's still hard for me. It should be hard for all of us if we truly put our life through this grid. And I think we're seeing a culture that lacks the B-zone muscles to push through in the grind. I think we all fight this. Nehemiah is fighting this. He's living in the B-zone while people are quitting left and right looking for something new. At one point, when he got there, the people were all in. But it got hard, and now they're wanting out. At one point, they all had plenty of resources, but things got hard, and now resources are more scarce. At the beginning, there were people who told them, oh, Nehemiah, we're in. We're going to make this journey. We're in. But it got hot. It got really hard. I don't know if I like this. The work that was so fun and rewarding at first, well, I don't know if that's what I want to do. The promise that Nehemiah had, we could all do this together here. I don't know if it's worth it in the end. And if the people of Nehemiah's time, if they Q-zone right here, then the work will stop and the redemptive plan will come to a halt. And that, that's what will happen for us too individually. If we quit on the vision because it gets hard, God's redemptive work will stop within us and through us. And this, that, that right there, that's the biggest price the Q-zone requires is that your character does not grow and transformation doesn't need to happen. You see, because in the B-zone right here, my character is forged. In the B-zone, I need things like perseverance to grow and grit to get me through. Listen to James. He talks about this very thing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Whenever you're in a B-zone, consider it pure joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces something. It grows something in you as you are in the grind of the B-zone. It produces perseverance. And you must let perseverance finish its work. You must stick in it and stay in it. And if you do that, you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, the B-zone grows us. And when I skip from one A zone to the next, my character never has to rise up and sustain me. I'm letting a new A zone sustain me. When I chase A zones in my life, virtues like faithfulness and perseverance never get to work themselves deep into my soul. When I quit in the B zone, we stop building internal character. 
and the muscle that we need to make it through. The good news is, just like you can't live in the A zone, you never get stuck in the B zone forever. You remain faithful, and God will bring you out the other side in his timing. And when a person decides that the vision on the other side is worth it, then they have the grit to grind even though it's hard. When the mission that a person is pursuing has captured their heart with enough conviction, then they won't stop. They can't stop because they know what they're going toward. A a vision is a picture of what could be despite what currently is. And if you push through in the B zone, then you will eventually enter the C zone. This is where we experience breakthrough. Breakthrough. That relationship that was so fun It got hard, didn't it? But you know what you did? You both stuck with it. You stuck with each other. You got counseling. You didn't give up. And something beautiful happened. You know what happened? Intimacy. A zone grows your infatuation. In the B zone, you grow intimacy. You know a marriage that has passed through many B zones? You know these people. They have a depth and a strength to their marriage and their relationship that you can't fake. That, that lack of character that we have, that always seem to, to give in to temptation time and time again, I'm constantly giving in temptation. Well, something happened. I looked at my temptation dead in the eye. And when it, was, when it was hard over here in the B zone, I got accountability. I got honest with people and I persevered and pushed through. And something strong was forged in me. And my character was grown and put my struggle in perspective, and I had breakthrough in integrity and purity. Perseverance must finish its work so that we can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And any time we quit, we short-circuit what James is saying there. C-zone is breakthrough. And the harder the struggle in the B-zone, the greater the celebration in in the breakthrough. If you can remain resilient right here in the B zone, oh my goodness, you'll get the reward of the C zone. And it is worth it for those of you who have pushed through and seen your character and your marriage and your parenting and your career transform. You know, relationships that pass through this gain intimacy. A career where struggle and discontent are constantly present. When we use our grit and perseverance, we can find satisfaction and fulfillment. When we finish the last page of that book, we stick with our hobbies and become a master. We, we, we stick with our friends and enjoy a life that is rich with relationship. We realize that our struggle isn't really in our circumstances. It's within us. It's within us. And we're simply hoping when we quit that a new A-zone will solve what's going wrong within us. But what might be the solution is pushing forward to grip to breakthrough. That new car... That new car smell? Well, we can lease a car, right? And you can guarantee an A-zone every few years. And that's fine. That is good. But I'll tell you this. You can never lease character. You have to own it. And you have to own it in the dark valleys of the B-zone when no one's watching to see your your integrity grow. A honeymoon is fun. They're a blast. But that marriage of that couple who's put in the time and the grit and stuck with it to break through, they have a depth and a richness in the relationship that a honeymoon is missing. 
A zone, B zone, C zone. Promise, problem, payoff. Bliss, burden, breakthrough. Nehemiah stood with a weapon in one hand and, and a shovel in the other and listened to all the people around him who wanted to quit. And do you know what sustained Nehemiah at that moment? He knew he was called to a vision that burned so deep within him that no opposition from within or without would cause him to quit. He knew the purposes of God were his goal and he was called to be a catalytic leader in this. And all this comes to a head, all that continues to come around Nehemiah. He's pressed on all sides with opposition from within and without and other nations. And then the opposition tries to tempt him. And temptation is the ultimate Q-zone lure. Just just get some instant gratification. Just, just check out of that B zone. Get some, get some instant gratification. That wasn't so bad, was it? They tempt him in, the, in this B zone. They tempt him. They tempt Nehemiah to come down off the wall to exit the great work he's doing. And his reply is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. These are the words of a person who the vision burns so deeply within him, he knows He knows what he is after. Listen to this. They tempt him to come down off the wall, and he says this. I am doing a great work, and I won't come down. Why should this work stop just so I can come down and see you? You see, Nehemiah wouldn't be tempted or threatened because he was living on vision for a great work that God had called him to. I'm doing a great work. Uh, Yes, it would be easy to quit, but I'm not going to because if I quit, this stops. Nehemiah's eyes were on something far beyond and far greater and far bolder than the opposition. And he carried within him a vision that got him through even the darkest of times. I keep saying that vision changes things. And for Nehemiah, it was vision that kept him going and kept him from quitting. Quitting would have meant the death to this whole mission they were doing. The redemptive mission that Nehemiah was about would have died. But the huge vision that he stayed in was kept alive. Viktor Frankl is an Austrian psychologist who survived the Nazi death camps. He's famous, and he's a compelling author. He applied his psychology to the whole concentration camp nightmare to find within him what was needed to continue under the worst conditions ever to just survive one more day. And he made a startling discovery why some survived And some chose to give up. He looked at all these different factors of the people around him. He said he looked at health, vitality, family structure, intelligence, and survival skills. And after looking at all that made people who they are and why some people survived and some people kept pushing and some people didn't, he concluded that none of those factors were responsible for people overcoming amidst the worst and greatest opposition they'll ever face. He said the single most significant factor in perseverance was this. It was a deep sense of future vision, the impelling conviction of those who were to survive that they had a greater mission ahead. He found within himself that what sustained him at the worst, the worst possible scenario was the vision that there was mission and purpose ahead. Solomon the Wise said it like this, without vision, the people perish. They quit. They wander. They lose restraint. 
Nehemiah, crushed from opposition within and without, leaned into the vision that God had called him to and said this, I am part of a greater vision and I will not stop working. And so for us in our life where our fears are telling us to stay small and your fears and anxieties keep you back from what God wants you to attempt, you say, I am part of a greater vision and I will not stop working. My fears will not make me quit this time. Those of us who are looking at temptation, and temptation is always short-circuiting this whole cycle. We look at our temptation in the eye. We get honest with it with somebody, and we tell our temptation, I am part of a greater vision, and I will not stop. I will not come down. God's building something in me. Those of us in our life who realize we are constantly chasing an external A-zone to solve what's internally, we, say, we, we recalibrate, find the vision for our life, our true north, and say, I am part of a greater vision, and I will not stop working. Parents, we need to stand up against the culture of our world that fights against our children and fights against our homes and declare, we are a house that is part of a greater vision, and we will not come down. Dads, you're part of a greater vision. Don't quit on your wife. Don't quit on your kids. Wives, you're part of a greater vision. Don't quit on your husband. Don't quit on your kids. Young adults, you're part of a greater vision. Don't quit on your purity and your calling. Those with kids that are grown and you're in a different life phase, you are part of a greater vision. Don't quit. Your greatest redemptive work is still ahead. Orchard, we have the opportunity to stand and say these very words. I am part of something great. I'm not coming down. I'm not going to get tempted or get sidetracked by other agendas. God's purpose and vision for my life is clear. Because someone wants to call you off the wall. Because someone wants to tempt you to quit. Because someone's used to you short-circuiting and they want you to continue to live this life. But when we find our hearts captured by God's calling, every other purpose and temptation in life pales in comparison to what he has before us. Orchard, you will face B-zone in your personal life. You know this because you already are. This is very tangible for you. And as a church, as part of this redemptive movement, we will face opposition and roadblocks. We'll face B-zones. But when we do, May we, the people of purpose, get the opportunity to show we don't just follow God when it's easy. We stay faithful when it's hard. That we don't just love God and love people when it's convenient. We love God and love people when they're unlovable. We don't just stay faithful when it's comfortable. We stay faithful when it's difficult. Because God is calling us to something greater. Because the purpose of see, is seeing transform lives in our community. So we keep this vision before us and it gives us the grit to keep serving even on those weekends we don't feel like it. To keep giving even when we'd rather not. To keep praying even when the passion seems to be waning. We stick with the vision because the vision is a picture for what could be for us someday despite the present reality we're in. And you know your B-zone. You know the feel of it and the drag of it. If, you, if that is the most tangible th experience you have and you don't experience the vision ahead, we will quit. You see, I see a future orchard so compelling that those of us who are just spectators become participants. I see an orchard that's so compelling that those of us who are indifferent become interested. And those of us who are interested become invested and involved.
because of the vision that God is giving us. So for the orchard to grow into the redemptive force that God has called us to, this has to get personal for us. The vision, the calling, the mission. It has to get personal. It has to be in our hearts, in our hands as we work. It has to be in our homes because we will face individual and corporate bison. And my continual prayer is that we'll begin to see and feel this vision that God has before us because it's big. It's audacious. The vision God has for you personally is bold. The vision God has for us as a people is bold. And it's gonna require each of us over and over again to buy in to what God's calling us to. And I want you to know that me as your pastor, I'm all in. I'm all in on what God is calling us to. For such a time as this, God has seemed fit to put Amy and I here, and we feel like there is a great calling and vision ahead of us, and we want to join our hearts with you to be a part of something that we couldn't be individually. To see God transform us, and through us, transform a community. A zone, B zone, C zone. This has helped me throughout my life. And Orchard, I want you to consider this and ask yourself, where are you in your spiritual relationship? Are you constantly looking for new juice, that new song, that new something to kind of get you there? Are you still meeting God in the B zone? Because he has breakthrough for you. How about in your character development? What breakthrough do you pray for in your character over here that we keep quitting on? What internal struggles do you have in your life right now that you are banking on a new start solving for you? If you're in the B zone right now, and we all are somewhere, and you see roadblock, you see the problem, I would say this. Consider asking Jesus to show you the vision, to give you that picture of what you're pressing through towards because he's in that with you. And he's calling you to something. He's in the B zone with you. And I just want to remind you of something. He's in the Q zone with you. He gives you grace. He gives us more grace. There's no condemnation. But his spirit empowers us and calls us forward. So Orchard, here's the deal. I know that in this room, we're all in a B zone somewhere in our life. Some of you feel this so tangibly. You, this is a weight on you right now. As we go into prayer time, we have a prayer corner back there. We're gonna have some people up here. I would encourage you to take your B-zone and go get some prayer for it. If it's a temptation that is just continually wrecking your, your, your cycle, go get honest with somebody. But, but know this, the B-zone wants to make you feel like you're isolated, like you're alone. Go get prayer. Go have somebody pray life into that moment. Because this, this is life. We can't stop this. We can't live here in, on this world. But God calls us to perseverance that he can mature us in our character and as a church. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for Jesus who in the midst of the Garden of Gethsemane, the greatest B-zone he faced, he pressed through because of his vision to do for us something amazing. We thank you for his sacrifice. And I pray today, Father, as we come forward and we hold the elements of his blood and his body we would see the amazing perseverance that he went through for us the amazing love 
And Lord, I pray in your tender kindness, there are those of us in here who are on the edge of breaking and quitting some really big things. We're on the edge of quitting a marriage, quitting a job, quitting, quitting on our kids, quitting on you. I pray, Lord, right now your spirit would pursue us. Help us to see the vision ahead. Help us to see you and empower us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.